Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is caught for a touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes. But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Come on, boy, boy, can you get it up? Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us. Happy St. Patrick's Day this past week. Hope you had a good one. Hope you've enjoyed the beginning of March Madness. In our next segment, we'll bring you the Sports Business Radio headlines of the week. Then, in segments three and four, I'll be joined by Greg Shaheen. He's the NCAA Interim Executive Vice President of Championships and Alliances. Shaheen is the man charged with overseeing March Madness for the NCAA. He's got a big, big job. I'm going to chat with Greg about the tournament's expansion to 68 teams this year, as well as their new 14-year, $10.8 billion, with a B, dollar TV contract with CBS and Turner. That's coming up in segments three and four, Greg Shaheen with the NCAA. Couple of other notes. Visit my Sports Business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Become our Facebook friend and follow me on Twitter. Find those links to the Sports Business Radio Facebook and Twitter page by looking for those icons on the front page of sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm on Twitter at SB Radio. Brian Griggs, we are competing against our listeners in our annual March Madness bracket. I've got Kansas winning it all. That probably means they'll go out in the first or second round. <laughs> Bad news for them, but uh, who do you have? Uh, I'm going with some top picks this year, too. Ohio State beating Kansas in the final game. Yeah, I think those top four seeds are just head and shoulders above everyone else. We'll see if it turns out to be true, but uh, thanks. If you entered our bracket, you can follow the progress at sportsbusinessradio.com and see everyone who entered and is competing against us. All right, coming up next, the Sports Business Radio headlines of the week. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. I'll be right back. This is SBR. Back with more after this. It's been a perfect day. We're all spinning on our heels so far away from real in Cali. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bowl Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, uh, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. 
It's time, baby. Special News Bulletin. At Sports Business Radio, we're always on top of what's happening in the world of sports. And each week, we break down the stories you need to know about. This is Headlines. I want to be in the headlines. On Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headlines. And headline number one, we didn't get to headlines last week because of a lengthy conversation with Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports about Ohio State and Oregon football. If you missed that, go online to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can hear that podcast. But NFL team owners locked out the players. This, Griggs, only after... The players decertified. So this is the first time in 24 years there's been a work stoppage in the NFL. And now the next thing that will happen is April 6th. There's going to be a hearing on the players' request for an injunction to stop a lockout. That's scheduled to take place in front of U.S. District Court Judge Susan Nelson in Minnesota. Um, The other thing that's interesting that happened is you've got quarterbacks Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Drew Brees. They filed lawsuits against the NFL. So, you know, this is an ugly thing, as we kind of alluded to before last week. Is this going to be a negotiation or is this going to be a litigation? And the players went with the nuclear option of decertification. So now they're a trade association. They are not a players union. And it's going to be in the courtrooms for the foreseeable future unless the two sides are able to come to a settlement and this doesn't go through the court system. And I just don't know. I mean, after seeing what's happened so far, I don't know if the settlement's going to happen. I mean, I, I thought it, before this whole thing started, oh, it's going to be taken care of e- easy. And then as it started to get into it, you just start seeing how many different sides are coming at this. I don't know if it's going to come happen in April. Well, there's a lot of bad blood, and it didn't get any better this week when there were stories out that the NFL Players Association was putting pressure on incoming players who were going to be drafted in a few weeks to not attend the draft ceremony. They said they'd have something else planned. Sounds like it'd be nearby in New York. The players, instead of shaking hands with Commissioner Goodell, would shake hands with Demora Smith, the union leader, with their teammates who are fellow players, but they wouldn't give the NFL the, uh, I guess, the, the coverage on ESPN and on the NFL network, and they'd kind of throw a monkey wrench into those plans. A lot of debate on that this week because these players and their families, this is a day they've worked for their entire life. They've worked hard to get to that moment. Do they want to, I guess, stiff arm the commissioner and not go to that and and go to another gathering for the Players Association? Also, do they want to cross their fellow players and go do something with the NFL. I mean, if you think about it, it's kind of ridiculous. You get drafted. If you do go to the draft, you shake hands with Commissioner Goodell. Okay, you've been drafted by a team. You can't report to the team. There's no signing a contract. You can't work out at the facility. I mean, you've been drafted, but really that's all that's happened. There's no other formalities that can take place because of this work stoppage. So it's a real tricky situation. And as we've said all along, it may not get better until there's urgency. And what's the urgency? In September, when players start missing paychecks and when games start to be missed, that's when there's urgency. Will something get done before then? That's what's going to be the main story to follow. 
Yeah, and basically, like you said, it's it's like a handshake on TV. I mean, it's kind of like just a, you know, pass through the line like you're graduating or something. You're not really, I mean, you're not getting the contract. You're not getting the games. You're not getting what you really want to do. You're just getting a handshake. Well, the players look at the owners and Commissioner Goodell as the enemy right now. So they don't want fellow players, even though you haven't played a game in the NFL yet, to be giving a, a hug to the commissioner, your enemy, on TV. It doesn't send a good message for their Unity, but we'll see. You know, I think the players have worked hard, and they should go to the draft if they want to. If they want to go be with their fellow players and and stand uh, solidified with them, then they should do that. Our next headline: CBS sees an eight percent drop for the NCAA selection show. This is interesting to me. They earned a four point four Nielsen rating. That's down eight point three percent from a four point eight last year. You know, I would have thought with the integration of Turner and with Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith being a part of the selection show, I would have thought that more people would have tuned in, but viewership was down a little bit. Griggs, are you surprised? Yeah, I, that does kind of surprise me because I, I tuned in, I watched it. I think it looks great. The new setup, the new stage, the new group. I mean, they're meshing well. They sound good together. And I, I didn't even think. I'm just, I just assumed the ratings would be up on that. So yeah, that is kind of a shocker to me. The thing that is interesting is True TV. And I got to be honest with you, before this week, I had never heard of True TV. I haven't watched Pawn Stars or any of the other shows that are on True TV, but I became familiar with the network this week because they had the first four games. The ratings for those games on True TV are 1.0 overnight. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but on ESPN for the play-in game last year, they got a 0.8, so up a little bit on True TV. And I like what... I see with the CBS and the Turner integration. I love Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith. I like Ernie Johnson. I like the fact that Steve Kerr is going to be integrated, doing some color commentary. Marv Albert will be doing some play-by-play. I think it's a really good marriage of broadcasting talent. And CBS already had a good mix of broadcasters. And I like the studio team. So, you know, I'll be real interested to see what the ratings look like at the end of this. Yeah, I agree with you. And like I said, I love the team. I love the insight. They've got a lot more insight this year. So I think that's going to be interesting to, to fans. I know it will be to me because I love hearing the, like, Steve Kerr, great. That's going to be awesome, getting stuff from him. And, of course, Charles Barkley, you never know what he's going to say. So it's always fun with him on there. So I, I love it. I think it's going to be fun. The other thing that will be interesting to watch is there's iPad and iPhone apps for March Madness where you can watch from your phone or your iPad. iPad, it's beautiful. Um, there's also the ability to watch online via NCAA.org. And they've got the boss button as usual. So if you're at work and your boss is coming over and you need to hit that boss button so a spreadsheet comes up, you can do that. But I wonder, and I'm going to ask Greg Shaheen about this from the NCAA, will the online numbers go down because of the fact for the first time ever you can watch every single game in its entirety on one of the TV networks. So you've got CBS, TBS, TNT, and True TV. They will carry every game live as it's happening. We haven't had that before unless you have the direct TV package. So I wonder if the online numbers will be down. That will be interesting to watch as well. Yeah, I think it will. And uh, I, I see where guys are going to use the online, though, because if you're at home with your wife watching something she wants to watch, like Desperate Housewives or oh. something, then you can flip the online. Hey, what are you doing, honey? I'm just uh, playing around the computer. There you go. Yeah, I feel bad for the guys that have to sit and watch The Bachelorette or <laughs> yeah, Desperate Housewives exactly. or, or any of those shows, and it definitely helps to be able to watch on the computer. All right, our next headline, 
Nolan Ryan takes over as the CEO of the Texas Rangers after Chuck Greenberg is forced out. This is a really weird story because Greenberg and Nolan Ryan very close. Um, you know, they seem to have a good working relationship. And then just out of the blue, it's announced that Chuck Greenberg is out. I don't know if it's going to affect anything on the field. Nolan Ryan seems to know what he's doing in Texas, but, uh, you know, we'll see how that works out. That's a big change in Texas. Our next headline. The WTA's former president, David Shoemaker, has been named NBA China CEO. He's going to start that job in June. He replaces Tim Chen, who resigned in September of 2010. Griggs, China, such a huge market for the NBA. So David Shoemaker has a big job. And, you know, as we always talk, 1.3 billion people in China compared to 300 million in the United States. A huge market. And if the NBA can tap into that and continue tapping into that, I think they do the best job of any sports league in the U.S. of exposing their brand in Asia. Big job for David Shoemaker. Yeah, big time. And you got lots of NBA stars getting deals over there, too. So he's going to have that side of it to deal with. But yeah, big job. I think uh, he'll do well at it. And we'll see uh, as the market continues to grow with NBA overseas. Our last headline of the week, St. Louis Blues chair Dave Checkett has decided to put the team in the Scott Trade Center where they play up for sale. And this is going to be interesting to watch as well. Checkett's uh, involved in a lot of different teams, is a well-respected uh, executive. We'll keep our eyes on that story. All right, coming up next, the man who runs March Madness. For the NCAA, Greg Shaheen, really terrific guy, has a big job. Lots of changes with the NCAA this year with the format and with the TV. We will talk about all of that with Greg Shaheen from the NCAA coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. I do, I do. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, We'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Greg Shaheen. He's the NCAA Interim Executive Vice President of Championships and Alliances. Greg Shaheen oversees the day-to-day operations of the NCAA Division I Men's Basketball Championships, known to many as March Madness. Greg, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. Anytime. I enjoy it. So, Greg, explain to our listeners your role as the Executive Vice President of Championships and Alliances. Aren't there 89 championships that you're overseeing for the NCAA? Yeah, Brian, there are 89 championships. They take place at over 760 venues every year and uh, 23 sports. So it's, uh, it's 
a rather full portfolio and variety of uh, sports opportunities. And what does your staff look like? I know when we've had you on in the past, I mean, I was really surprised you don't have an enormous staff to pull off all the work for those 89 championships, especially March Madness. Uh, How big is your staff? Well, for the men's tournament, we have a staff of about a dozen that handles all aspects of that. Uh, Across the 89 championships in total, probably have about uh, 85, and that includes uh, all of our championship administrators, as well as playing rules, statistics, uh, media coordination, and our marketing uh, and corporate and and broadcast relationships, all of which is uh, part of the group. So there are several major changes with this year's NCAA Division I Men's Basketball Championship. You've expanded the field from 65 to 68 teams. There was even some discussion about a 96-team field at one point. The tournament format hadn't been tweaked since 2001 when you expanded from 64 to 65 teams. March Madness is so wildly popular. It's my favorite time of the year. Why mess with something that works so well before? Well, I think it's a great question. You know, we, since, two, since 1985, we had been at 64 teams. And then when uh, the Western Athletic Conference split into the Mountain West and, and, uh, and, and continued as the WAC, we went to 31 conferences. And that took the men's tournament uh, to 65 teams so that we would have 31 automatic qualifiers and 34 at-larges. The, quite honestly, that was awkward. It left one extra game out there. Uh, that made two teams feel uh, more isolated when, quite honestly, Dayton, Ohio, which has hosted for years, has done a good job. And, uh, you know, in net, their experience was fantastic. But we really needed to build a stronger opening to the championship. And so one of the things we did was expand to 68, which allowed us to go to the first four format and uh, really create a different starting point that would get everybody's attention. Yeah, I read that you trademarked a few years ago, first four. Uh, that was uh, pretty genius of you. Well, I'd love to tell you that it was uh, all part of some broad master plan. But <laughs> it was, uh, you know, at some point in time, you something struck about the fact that we had the final four and uh, alliteration or whatever the appropriate grammatical term is came to mind. And it seemed like first four was something we should... Uh, we should grab a hold of and figure out how exactly to fit it. So when the committee was talking last summer about how to handle the 68 games, uh, 68 teams, uh, when we were developing this first-round competition, it made only sense to go to the first four. What do you say to the critics who say, okay, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, the first four, it just didn't feel like March Madness, that Thursday and Friday opening to the tournament that we're used to with games everywhere seems like we're kind of easing into the tournament. What do you say to those people? Well, I, you know, the, I was in Dayton for the first four, and uh, I was at the overtime game uh, that was the, the first game of the first round of this year's championship, and I would uh, defy anyone to say that March Madness wasn't on uh, throughout that gym and throughout the country uh, as we got started. I mean, quite honestly, it does several different things for us. It not only accommodates the field, but it allows us to preview and, and describe uh, in much fuller effect the entire uh, championship structure uh, and the way in which we're broadcasting it now. And so it's a, to us, it's a perfect platform. It's something we're excited about. And fortunately, the teams that have been involved in it uh, have given very positive feedback.
Are you locked into 68 teams? Is there a chance you go back to 65? Is there a chance you expand beyond 68? Well, we, we do have flexibility. Our agreement with Turner and CBS allows us to uh, really carefully study that. A lot of it has to do with membership preference, quite honestly, Brian. We have a situation where we have 334 eligible institutions, and many of them at the Division One level are thinking about football where literally half of them get into bowl games. And, you know, in our case, if you're at 60 some teams you're only at 20 percent of the division one population uh so they're coveted spots uh so it would require our membership to want to step back from 68 in order for that to uh take place but whether it's a decrease or increase we do have that flexibility and uh, of course would want the championship to be uh whatever serves it serves best yeah, when I heard about 96 teams, I was totally against it. I like the format of the tournament as it's been. 68 is only a few more teams. You can live with that. But I thought, you know, 96, it just adds so much more to the tournament as far as more games and, and you're asking people to give more of their attention span. And um, I think you guys got it right. Well, you know, quite honestly, since 2005, when the NCAA assumed operations of the NIT, and we have 32 teams in the NIT. So in essence, the NCAA has been operating 97 postseason bursts in men's basketball. And what we framed last year during our negotiations was what is the best way to structure that? Where should those 97 bursts, how should those 97 bursts be managed? And uh, quite honestly, you know, the, where it is now is uh, where it made the most sense as we went through our media negotiations. But it, Quite honestly, the 96-team structure was manageable um, and was possible, but for all the reasons that you described and the sense of many, you know, obviously there's a natural aversion to change that we all have to work through in our everyday lives, but, um, you know, certainly understandable what the concerns were. We took those seriously and just really pleased with where we're at. Greg, there was some scrutiny, even with the expanded field. And, you know, the selection committee and you, you have such a difficult job choosing the 68 teams for the tournament. But Colorado, Virginia Tech, they walk away not selected. They're not very happy about it. What do you do to, I guess, uh, ease the, the pain of those schools and to say, look, if you do this, this and this, then next year you'll get into the field? Well, I mean, the last last five years, we've done so much to be more transparent and forthcoming with how the process works uh, in the selection room. We've been clear about the kinds of things to do. And, uh, you know, it, it makes for uh, difficult treading, quite honestly, because there are, as I said, 334 eligible institutions. We're only taking 68 of them. No matter what the field size would be, short of being all 334, uh, we're in a circumstance where... Uh, there are always going to be teams left out, always teams that feel like they have a right uh, to be in the championship. I actually credit the committee this year for uh, taking what I believe was one of the more uh, significant amounts of time that I can recall my 11 years to study a variety uh, of slants on the teams that they were looking at and ultimately coming up with a philosophical uh, decision regarding how they structured uh, and how they determined uh, the final teams in the at-large field. It's not easy. Uh, no one ever likes to be disappointed. No one ever likes to be left out. We all get that. 
but at the same time, uh, you know, it's important for us to do follow-ups and make sure the teams that were not in the championship better understand what they need to do, and those who were always need to understand, uh, you know, what they did right and how to reinforce that. Many people wonder who's on this selection committee. What's the? Who are the people that comprise the committee? Can you answer that question? Sure, it's uh, it's actually a national committee comprised of commissioners and directors of athletics uh, from around the country. Uh, they're nominated by their conferences. We have 31 Division One conferences, as you know, Brian. And uh, there's a, a process through our governance system where uh, each conference can nominate uh, an individual within their membership, and that's how the process works. The uh, they serve five-year terms, non-renewable. And there's a geographic requirement uh, that there be at least one person from each region in the country, the regions being uh, east, south, midwest, and west, uh, as well as uh, that there is a, an FBS, uh, FCS division, if you will, an FBS, which is also known as BCS. Uh, six of the ten representatives come from that subdivision, and the balance come from non FBS, non-BCS conferences. Have you ever thought of adding, I guess, some more basketball minds to the committee, people who maybe used to play college basketball or even people from the media, Dick Vitale, a Jay Billis, a Seth Davis, someone like that? Well, if you were to, uh, you know, it's a bit, honestly, it's not mine to decide. If our membership wanted to do that, then, of course, we would honor that and go from there. The issue, quite honestly, Though, Brian, is if you were to listen to any individual, especially media personalities, but also uh, those in the coaching community or past coaches, they have their own loyalties, they have their right. own bents, they have their own uh, predispositions going into uh, the election process. And as a result, uh, there is a, um, a significant likelihood, quite honestly, uh, that we don't necessarily wind up with. Uh, you know, a, a different result. Uh, we have a similarly separate result from what a group of people, group of reporters, group of pundits, whatever, may want. You know, and part of this is, I mean, to keep everything in perspective, this is what makes this great. If it was perfectly defined, you know, if you think about all the other competitions in the world, you get to a certain record, you win your division, you win your conference, whatever the case may be, and you're in the playoffs, and you know, you're in, and you have the opportunity. What's great about this is uh, that uh, debate is what makes it fun. It's uh, what makes it interesting. Who lives up to their potential? Who can truly demonstrate it? And if you keep the perspective in mind that we're trying to build an event that draws attention, draws curiosity, and shows the diversity, the depth and breadth of our membership uh, as higher ed institutions, uh, you really recognize what this tournament's all about. More of my conversation with Greg Shaheen, NCAA Interim Executive Vice President of Championships and Alliances. Coming up next, you're listening to Sports Business Radio.
Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Now back to my conversation with Greg Shaheen, NCAA Executive Vice President of Championships and Alliances. Greg, the NCAA signed a new 14-year, $10.8 billion deal with CBS and Turner Sports for this year's tournament. Personally, I think it's a brilliant move. I love the integration of the Turner Sports studio team, Ernie Johnson, Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith. Also looking forward to hearing Steve Kerr, Marv Albert join the CBS people. Uh, when I watched the action on Tuesday and, you know, the studio show came together, it was just, it was really, it felt good. And uh, I think you guys hit goals old with this yeah you know what I, I i appreciate your feedback i quite honestly uh i don't know that we could have asked for more i mean this is what we hoped for our cbs has been our long-standing tried and true partner we have a great relationship with them uh, they're a remarkable bellwether in the business turner uh has defined itself through a variety of different broadcasts but for innovation forward thinking uh, being very agile. It's been a fascinating past year as we put this into place and has been, uh, has been quite honestly, very good for everyone uh, as we go forward and to see it in place Tuesday night, as you described, uh, to see the selection show with new graphics, new set, new attitude, new way of going about it. I mean, this is what this is all about. This is fun and this is enjoyable. It's the it's the fodder of how my team's going to do, whether my team got in, whether they deserve that seed, and how far they might advance that makes it so special. So between CBS, TBS, TNT, and True TV, fans are going to be able to watch every game of the tournament live. That's terrific. But do you think it's going to hurt online viewership at all? I know a lot of people in years past, me being one of them, if I didn't have the direct TV package and I couldn't watch a game that was being broadcast in my region, I would get online and watch those games. Is there any concern that uh, showing all the games live on those four networks is going to hurt your online viewership at all? No, you know, it's uh, again, it's the right question. And it's one of the things that we studied even going uh, before we went into negotiations last year. Um, it's become very clear that our event happens to be perfectly suited for uh, the online complementary product to uh, what we broadcast. And uh, regardless of how many channels you have available, whether you, you know those who had the satellite package before, those who are watching this year, every indication is that there will be uh, just as much, if not more, uh, viewership online. And one of the things that uh, people will see is that it's 
the product, the March Madness on Demand product, has taken a, a very different dimension now. It's uh, Turner assumed all responsibilities for it uh, from CBS as part of this agreement, and uh, quite honestly, they've reinvigorated that product, and only more to come. Uh, it's a very good thing, and I think that uh, we're all anxious to see the numbers. But at the same time, again, it's fun to see a spirit of innovation, new energy, and a fresh look to how we approach things. Greg, you opted out of your previous TV deal with CBS to make this new deal with CBS and Turner. Is there an opt-out clause in the new TV deal, or is the tournament guaranteed to air on CBS and Turner for the next 14 years? Uh, There's no opt-out. The level of financial commitment that they were making, as well as the structural commitments that we required, uh, for the tournament. Uh, it just made sense to, to stay the course. Uh, it's not to say that there won't be bumps and bruises along the way or topics that we have to address or adjust as we go forward, but those will be able to be done by side letters and, and uh, other arrangements to work things out. But uh, again, I thought this first year, uh, like you would expect, I had some anxiety to see how uh, everybody would get along, and it's it's really turned out to be as as positive, as constructive as it could conceivably be in my mind. I think it's good for everyone. No, you can tell the chemistry, you know, with Greg Anthony and Seth Davis and Charles and Kenny yeah. is really, really good. Ernie Johnson, Greg Gumbel. So I think, uh, like I said, I think you guys have struck gold. Just a few minutes left. $10.8 billion. A lot of money. Cynics look at that amount of money and they say the NCAA is far from an amateur athletic association. Explain to people where that money goes and what it will fund over the next 14 years. Well, sure. And I think the critics, you know, have a right to raise that point. And, uh, you know, I'm always fascinated to, to then answer with, well, do you understand what we do with that? And, uh, you know, we've really started to strengthen our uh, external positioning that explains where the money goes. The fact that 96 cents out of every dollar uh, goes back to our campuses uh, or conferences for uh, their own activities, whether that be scholarships or grants, uh, whether that be uh, preview hosting of uh, our championships and the like. But um, the, the majority of the money goes directly to funding mechanisms for the student-athletes. So if you contemplate a $10.8 billion agreement and the reality that out of that $10.8 billion, you know, the NCAA will pull back, uh, I don't know, 4%, less than 4% uh, of that amount of money so that uh, we can operate our championships and, and, and the like, uh, but everything else goes back to our membership. <clears throat> there are very few not-for-profits you're ever going to find uh, that operate with that kind of uh, efficiency at a 96% return uh, to its key stakeholders. As it relates to uh, you know who benefits from it, it all goes to our student athletes. And so the first cut off the top is for divisions two and three, uh, which obviously include uh, the division three, for example, where there really aren't athletic scholarships. Uh, but there are all kinds of programs that come from these dollars and they directly benefit the student-athlete opportunities <clears throat> all year long. 
I look at the money generated from March Madness, and I am one of those people, I think I've told you this when I've had you on previously, that has said, I want a playoff in Division One college football. And you've got 89 championships under your belt. I think you need one more, 90. Let's round it up to 90. And I look at the, the numbers and the money that's come in from basketball, and I think football would dwarf that amount. What are your thoughts on eventually adding playoffs to Division One college football? Well, just as you said, you've raised it before. I probably have uh, answered it the same way before. And they, they, that answer is, you know, it's whatever our membership wants. I mean, we are, uh, it's really a decision for them. Uh, about uh, 25 or more years ago, there was a conscious decision made by our membership that the Division One football uh, schedule would be a uh, playoff schedule or, or bowl schedule would be managed by those institutions uh, and conferences rather than by the NCAA. Uh, so we abide certainly abide by that. If there's a change at some point in time, we're more than willing to help, and I always have been, uh, but, but certainly understand that there's a, a particular carve-out, if you will, uh, to make sure that those institutions, those conferences, have a comfort level regarding their future as well. Do you think we're getting any closer to a playoff in Division One college football? Are you hearing more uh, chatter about it, or are we no better off than we were a few years ago? Well, I think the discussion uh, continues. Uh, you know, I think that it's it's more, honestly, I think it has a lot more to do with people gaining a better understanding of exactly uh, you know who's in charge of what, because we certainly get a number of inquiries as if to imply that the NCAA made the conscious decision uh, to to not be part of uh, you know a, a particular uh, aspect of the enterprise. And in in reality, uh, <clears throat> in reality, there are many within the membership that do have a contrary interest to the what appears to be the prevailing interest. Uh, in, in this regard, but we, we've still got to wait for them. Uh, has progress been made? Yeah, perhaps, but it, I don't think that there's anything at all imminent, and I think the conversations uh, will continue for some time. Greg, you've got an amazingly busy schedule over the next few weeks. How many tournament sites do you try and get to over the course of March Madness? Well, I went to Dayton for the first four, and this year going to Atlanta to monitor uh, Turner's first year uh, during the second and third rounds and then uh, we'll go to all four regionals uh, during the second week of the tournament and then obviously we'll end up in Houston uh, for the final four uh, so probably a relatively slow year for me only going to six sites but uh, we'll uh, we'll try and build that up in the future. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm very excited to see. I'm based in Portland, Oregon, as you know, and I'm excited to see that the tournament is returning to Portland uh, in 2012. So thanks for bringing it back here. Well, you know, the committee's been great about wanting to uh, make sure that we go to a variety of communities with our championship. And actually, the inclusion of the other 88 championships now on the things that I oversee allow us to explore perhaps for the first time uh, the strategic placement of our various championships so that we can take them to various corners of the country and benefit uh, the events, benefit the communities, and and really give the student-athletes the best possible experience. So it's a, quite honestly, it's a remarkable time for us and uh, the opportunity to put everything together in the strongest possible way 
uh, allows us to, to put championships and create experiences uh, for our student-athletes uh, in communities around the country. Last question. I follow you on Twitter, at G.A. Shaheen. Everyone needs to follow Greg, at G.A. Shaheen. How has social media helped you and the NCAA communicate your messages better? And just, you know, I love when you send out pictures. Here we are in the, in the war room and things of that nature. It gives an inside access that I think a lot of people crave. Well, it's, uh, it's curious. I'll, I'll admit to you that I'm new to it. Uh, <laughs> and there, there are many uh, more bright people involved in our social media strategy uh, than me. In fact, uh, I've kind of kept my own Twitter account so that that way uh, I can make my own expressions of uh, either humor or absurdity without dragging my employer into the uh, into the fray on those things, but uh, you know it's very interesting. It's I, I enjoy the opportunity, uh, and when I have enough energy, uh, I uh, don't mind countering those who just don't fully understand our process or who we are or what we do. Makes for some for uh, for some interesting moments, in part because people don't know quite what to make of the fact that someone from the NCAA is challenging them on a on a statement that they've made. But it really isn't intended to be a gotcha thing at all. Rather, it's a, an opportunity to try and speak up and demonstrate to folks that you know, this is not a faceless organization. There are a lot of us that truly care about our mission and what we do. And social media affords, in my case, the opportunity to clarify certain things that I have responsibility for that I want to make sure there's no confusion about. Even if we disagree, at least the opportunity to, to describe to somebody now, actually, here's how it really works. Even if they disagree, at least I took a shot at trying to get it right, which is both for their protection and ours. Greg, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us on Sports Business Radio. Continued success with the tournament. I think you guys have made some really solid changes for this year, and I wish you the best of luck and enjoy our annual conversation. Look forward to talking to you next year as well. Anytime. I enjoy it. Congratulations to you on the success of the program. Thank you very much. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter. Twitter.com slash SB Radio. My heart beats like a drum. A guitar string to the strum. A beautiful song to be sung. She's got blue eyes deep like the sea. That roll back when she's laughing at me. She rises up. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. 
The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Well, our friend Darren Ravel from CNBC has the breakdown of team shoe deals for the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship. 68 teams to begin with. Of the 68 schools, 52 are wearing Nike shoes, 12 are wearing Adidas shoes, 3 are wearing the Jordan brand, and 1 Under Armour. Greg, speaking of Adidas... What do you think of their new all-in spot? I like it. I think it's really good. It's got Derek Rose, Dwight Howard, Katy Perry, David Beckham. Uh, I like the the music in the spot. It's got a good energy to it. And frankly, it's a little bit different than what Adidas has done in the past. I'll tell you why I like it. You said one name in there that I like it. Katy Perry. You're all in with Katy Perry? <laughs> I'm all in with Katy Perry. No, I thought it was great. I like how they incorporated all kinds of sports in it. You got there's football, there's basketball clips, there's David Beckham. Notre Dame football. Yeah, it's great. So I, I really enjoyed it. Music was great. Production was great. Looks great. It's going to look great on TV. And who knew that Katy Perry was an Adidas endorser? I didn't know that. I'm going to buy a lot of Adidas clothes right now. (laughs) (laughs) All you needed to see was her, and you're in. I'm in. (laughs) All right. I want to thank our guest this week, Greg Shaheen from the NCAA. Always great to catch up with him. If you missed any portion of our conversation, you can go to sportsbusinessradio.com and download the podcast to hear that. Our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Jared Melzer, Patrick O'Neill, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week, click on the iTunes icon on the front page of sportsbusinessradio.com to have our show podcast downloaded to your iTunes every week. We really appreciate it if you post a review of our podcast on iTunes. Thank you to those of you who have posted reviews recently. It's important to us to hear your feedback, so really appreciate that. You can follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. If you want to follow my March Madness bracket and anyone else who's in our pool, you can also find that at sportsbusinessradio.com. Enjoy March Madness. Enjoy your week. We'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.